What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Wild Card Round DFS MVP. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. As always, with my co-host, Mr. John Daigle. Daigle, how you feeling, buddy? Ready for uh, the playoffs? Doing well. Three fun and expansive slates for this wild card yeah. round. Lots to get into. Yeah, man. Uh, so uh, the if you've looked at the FanDuel or DraftKings um, lobbies, you will notice, or if you've played playoffs before, that the main slates are split up into Saturday only and Sunday only. There are some decent prize pools for the multi-day slate, but the biggest prize pools are for those split slates. So for today's podcast, we'll take a little bit of a different format than we typically do instead of just going through our value play since everyone's a value play on a short slate. Uh, we'll go game by game, talk about how we're approaching each game, different ways to approach the game, um, focus really more on um, – uh, narratives that we could be building around game flows. And we will talk about how we're approaching the overall slate, the Saturday only and the Sunday only as a reminder, if you haven't signed up for the four for four DFS package yet, it's only $14 for the rest of the season. Um, as Daigle mentioned, we have uh, three uh, big slates just for this weekend. Plus all of the single game slates will have multiple slates going all the way through Super Bowl. So still lots of value to get on that uh, 14 bucks. Still got a month full of DFS slates left. So uh, lots of value there. Uh, let's get right into it. The Saturday slate kicking off with the 49ers is nine and a half point favorites hosting the Seahawks over under is just 42 points uh, implied point total almost at 26 for the 49ers down at 16.25 for the Seahawks. Uh, as far as ownership projections go, a lot of the ownership is going to be in this later game. So the only players we really have projecting for chalk CMC should be mega chalk. Kenneth Walker will be somewhat chalky when we only have four running backs on the slate even the running back in the worst spot will draw some ownership so we have them projecting between like 35 and 40 percent when you have to roster two running backs that's just how it's going to shake out um maybe debo gets chalky but when we're talking about chalk on a two-game slate i mean we're talking about 40 50 60 percent we're projecting him down in like the 32 to 35 percent range so they're going to be used, uh, uh, the, the wide receivers in this game, but Debo is probably the one that could approach that 40% and then 49ers defense. Um, so before we get into how we're going to build around this game or, or what narrative you like around this game, uh, do any of the players projecting prior ownership uh, pop as the ones you want to be on? It genuinely just depends how you perceive the game script going. Uh, because even in a blowout situation, like the reason we've talked about Jordan Mason, Tyrion Davis-Price, in this case, Elijah Mitchell being back. The reason we've talked about those players in the past is they come on the field and rest McCaffrey in blowouts. McCaffrey's played 95% of the team snaps in the first half since he joined the 49ers. He will not come off the field if you think this is a competitive game. And if you do think that, you're probably then also not using the 49ers defense in either slate, the two-day or the three-day six-gamer. And so that's where my head is at right now. But if you think it's a blowout, then perhaps McCaffrey is the one that helps them get there. Uh, Elijah Mitchell then comes into play in the second half as well. Uh, my concern is the weather in this game because right now it is projecting for 80% rate of precipitation throughout the game. Uh, there is a flood warning in the area as well. And if that's the case, then we can almost negate the 49ers pass rush altogether and then just say, okay, this is going to be a sloppy, run the ball heavily game. And that might eliminate 
some of the passing options here, but that still makes McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, Ken Walker, who has averaged 26 carries in his last three games without Travis Homer. It still keeps those options really enticing. So that's where I'm at right now. I will say it is a flood warning, but also there's reason to believe that it may be cleared out altogether. And if that's the case, I am all I would want to be on Tyler Lockett as a pivot over Ken Walker because the f- slot is where the 49ers have allowed the fifth most receiving yards per game. It's a great spot for Lockett as leverage since we think everyone's going to play Ken Walker as a touch-based option. So that's where my head is at right now. I'm curious your thoughts on if you can fade the 49ers and skip this game altogether. If you think it's if it is ends up being like a rainy, sloppy situation, can I not play any 49ers in the three-day slate? Because that's kind of how I'm looking at since McCaffrey is so expensive. Oh, we yeah, have, yeah. We, yeah. Have, uh, we have other expensive options at wide receiver in particular that I think are in smash spots. And so I almost, even in a short slate, I'm teetering on flipping the build and just paying up at wide receiver across the board instead. Yeah, I I actually um friend of the show Joe Holka was on his show this week and and actually really advocated for the pay up for wide receiver build uh, whether you're playing the multi-day slate or the Sunday only slate a little bit tougher on um the Saturday only slate just because we don't have that many like super expensive wide receivers to answer your question if you're playing the multi-day slate I I can definitely see this game and and jumping way ahead here um the the Ravens Bengals game being ones where we can really just play the defense or even play like maybe one player. I I do really like um, CMC, even if he is going to be mega chalk, whether it's the, the single day slate or the multi-day slate. I I think that the narrative about Mitchell being back and cutting into his work um, is a little misconstrued for the reasons you just outlined. And for the fact, like we haven't seen playoff CMC before and a a coach like Kyle Shanahan has shown us in the past that when they are in the playoffs, he's going to lean on his best players as much as possible um, or, or go with a hot hand approach. Now with CMC, you're not doing a hot hand approach. Also, I, I think something that that people aren't accounting for a lot in this game is that Brock Purdy has led them uh, and done everything like that Brock Purdy should be doing to get the 49ers to where they are. With that being said, I don't know if like you get into the playoffs, even though they are nine and a half point favorites and like lean on Brock Purdy. Right. I, I think more likely you lean on Debo Samuel and, and CMC last year in the playoffs. We saw. Debo getting mixed in a lot in the running game. Uh, And that's why we didn't see like dominant rushing splits from any of the running backs. But if you go back to 2019 for the first two games, Raheem Mostert dominated carries over Tevin Coleman, get to the Super Bowl. Tevin Coleman had, I think, 22 touches. I don't think they work in like Mitchell a lot unless they are in a blow. I think it's all CMC and all Debo. Debo's going to get work in the, in the rushing game. And I, th- I think people might be a little hesitant to, um, to, to pay up for CMC because of that. But I think that it's those two guys like a lot this week. Uh, you could throw the 49ers defense in there as well. So I'm actually very pro CMC chalk this week. Um, you mentioned Tyler Lockett, a- another player that you wrote up, um, in your Saturday article is Kobe Parkinson. Talk a little bit about him because he's one of my favorite contrarian plays on, on the single day slate or the multi-day slate. It's just as simple as Noah Fant clearly being banged up. And now the last two weeks since Will Disley got put on injured reserve, it's Parkinson who actually leads the team with seven catches. He's stone minimum. And in the three day slate, 
Honestly, since everyone's eyeing George Kittle, no Travis Kelsey here. If George Kittle fails, tight end is wide open. You can get there with anyone then. And so, you know, we'll talk about some of the cheap options, but Colby Parker is someone that definitely, if you, if you want to go that route as leverage off Ken Walker, you can certainly play him, especially because George Kittle may still get there since Seattle is so poor against tight ends. But at least we know in Brock Purdy's first two starts, Debo Samuel led the team with a 24% target share. George Kittle was fourth on his own team in targets. Basically didn't matter at all with only eight targets in those starts. And only then, when Debo got injured, did Kittle get this two and a half yards per route run rate, 26.7% target share, leads the league in NFL, rece- in NFL receiving touchdowns since week 15 over the last month. Only without Debo did this start happening for Kittle. And so you could poke holes in Kittle quite easily. And again, he's so good. Maybe he has a rapport with Purdy over this time that he's established that he could get there, but I think it's so volatile that I'm willing to bet against. And if that's the case, then I'd much rather bet on Debo getting there instead. Yeah, I I like uh, Debo's grown on me a lot. And you led your article with pointing out that one of the matchups, no Purdy, no CMC. The other matchup, no Debo, no Elijah Mitchell. So uh, just be very, very cautious about looking at these team splits against each other this year. Um, really different matchups, different environment. Um, I, I think the, the the chalk way to build around this game is they're going to uh, users are going to use one or two players from the Niners, at most one or two players from from the um, from the Seahawks a lot of 49ers defense and then really, really load up on the late game. So, so the, um, the, the chalk builds, if they use this game will be maybe Debo by himself, maybe CMC by himself. Um, not a lot of heavy stacking in this game. I, I think if weather permits, I think the contrarian way to build around this game is heavy 49ers, um, ETN, which we'll get to because that's going to take a lot of the Jaguars passing game off the board. Heavy 49ers in ETN builds, I, I think, is a contrarian way to build around this game. Um, what what narrative are you most likely to build around for this game, for the two-game slate? The two-game. Um, I think using both McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell is creative because that can allow you to soak up the touchdowns that help build that lead and then the touchdowns that ice the game in the second half. Um, Adding Debo Samuel to that mix as well. And yeah, lock it over Ken Walker, even in the two game. Yeah, I I like playing CMC and Debo together, regardless of what I do on on the other side. I think if you go with a very... Uh, overall balance build that will be somewhat contrarian because people are going to be so heavy on the second game that if you have two players from the Niners and then play play um, Parkinson and Lockett together, say, so four players from this game um, and maybe even the, the 49ers defense and then only four players from the second game, that's going to be a lot more balanced than a, a lot of um, a lot of lineups that are just stacking the late game. So on these two game slates, like I, I typically like to try to take stands on on a single offense, but I think this week because it's so lopsided towards the second game, that get, that lineups that are more balanced will actually be somewhat contrarian. So I do like CMC Debo, and then like Lockett is probably my my favorite way to build, and then um, and then we'll get to the second game. So let's let's actually jump into the second game. Uh, Chargers uh, favored by two and a half, the only road favorite of wild card weekend, um, or at least of, of this uh, Saturday and Sunday slate at the Jaguars, 47 and a half point over under uh, all the chalk's going to be in this one. Herbert and Lawrence are, are going to 
both push 35-ish percent ownership. Uh, they're going to soak up almost all of the um, quarterback ownership. ETN, right now he's projecting as the most popular player on the slate. Uh, then we have, with Mike Williams out, Keenan Allen should be right up there with ETN as the most popular player. Christian Kirk and Zay Jones are going to be really popular. Zay Jones is a salary saver. Ingram's going to be the most popular tight end on the slate. So, I mean, all of the chalk coming from this side. You made a really good point in your article. Your words were exactly, you need to draw a line in the sand. And I agree with that. The The decision point of this Saturday-only slate is, are you going to be on the ETN side of the Jaguars, or are you going to be on the pass game just side of the Jaguars? And... I think ETN is getting steamed, so it's a little bit concerning. At the same time, though, even in the two-game slate, yes, I think you take a stand since ETN hasn't seen more than three targets in any game since week seven. Uh, yes, he has played the Titans in two of his last five games, didn't go over 35 rushing yards in either contest because no one runs the ball well on the Titans. But even in exploding and averaging six and a half yards per touch in the three games in between weeks six, 15 through 17, he still only got three targets max in those three games. So it's it's definitely not a situation where I, I'm worried about playing Lawrence with ETN to be unique. I would actually just rather take my stand and soak up the touchdowns either through the air or on the ground. And honestly, either is fine. I do worry about this game for the, for the three-day purpose, for the big one, because it really seems like, yet again, people are hyping up the Chargers offense to what they aren't. We keep we keep speculating and wish-casting them into an offense that they just can't be with Joe Lombardi. Joe, uh, Justin Herbert was a finished with a league low in air yards per attempt for a reason. Uh, I tweeted out earlier, Justin Herbert splits without Mike Williams this season, and then everyone rushes quickly to the defense of Justin Herbert. And because they're all losers who root for teams. And then they say like, oh yeah, Justin Herbert, of course he's, oh, go figure. He's not good without uh, his big playmaking wide receiver. But that's not the point because like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Corey Lindsley, these guys have been there since week 12 and it hasn't mattered at all. Justin Herbert failed uh, against the Titans, didn't throw a passing touchdown. He failed against the Colts, 230 yards with a pick, no passing touchdown. He failed against the Rams, 212 yards and two touchdowns. That's not a ceiling performance. And so again, like people are speculating the Jaguars and, or, or the Chargers into what they're not. And so, yes, the Jaguars defense is bad. Over the last month of the year, they have pulled the wool over everyone's eyes and in ranking tops in EPA per play on defense. But we also know that came against turnover-prone Dak Prescott, Davis Mills, Josh Dobbs, and Zach Wilson. So you have no respect for the Jaguars' defense at all. But again, Herbert's been in this spot, and it hasn't mattered at all. So in the three-day slate, I am more than willing to fade Justin Herbert and skinny stack these players instead, like a Keenan Allen or Austin Eckler, rather than going overboard. Yeah, if, if I'm onslaughting a team on the – actually, if I'm onslaughting a team on, on either slate, I'm, I'm probably not onslaughting uh, the Chargers much, but definitely not on the two-day slate. I, I don't like the Chargers as an onslaught. And the the way I'm, I'm thinking about this game is, like you said, I, I, I do like – taking my stand between ETN or the passing game. Um, I, I like, again, going back to that Niners game, I, when you take the stand on ETN, I like how contrarian it makes your lineup. If you're going to play more players from, from the early slate, if you're going to play Debo and CMC together, I like ETN. ETN CMC is my um, preferred running back build. Our options on this two-game slate at running back are, are very limited. It's really hard to get um, 
it's really hard to get creative at running back. Like, like I said, even Ken Walker will get some ownership. Like Elijah Mitchell is really our only creative option. We're on the three game slate on Sunday. We have a little bit more flexibility. Um, for the Chargers, uh, I, I agree that the ceiling performances from the Chargers passing offense um, aren't there as much as we would like them to be. That being said, I still think on the two-game slate, Justin Herbert is the highest-scoring fantasy quarterback. Um, the The thing is, I, I think people might, especially with Mike Williams out, might get a little too carried away with with onslaughting their side. Like I like again, I, I like balance builds more. I like like a Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, and then just one of his other pass catchers, and then bring it back with Etienne and maybe one other pass catcher. Um, is there with Mike Williams out? Is there a secondary pass catcher? I bumped up the ownership projections of of Josh Palmer and really bumped up um, Gerald Everett up to like twenty two percent. He'll probably like maybe even leapfrogging Kittle as the second most popular tight end on the slate because of salary because of Mike Williams out. But is there a um, non Keenan Allen player that you uh, pass catcher that you like on the Chargers? And the two day, I'm more than willing to get a little crazy. Uh, I'm I'm even going to look and see if Michael Bandy is active for the first time since week 14 without Mike Williams available now because even he is capable of seeing a few targets and, and at stone minimum, like then you can get up to Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler with Justin Herbert, so I'm willing to get a little crazy there. Also, just a reminder that Donald Parham wasn't active in any game Mike Williams played this year. So I think you can definitely get a little wild on the charter side of the ball in that two-day slate. And even – for Donald Parham and the three-day, again, if Kittle doesn't get there, the world is our oyster. You can play whoever. So I honestly kind of think Parham's pretty sneaky across three days as well. Yeah, I, I like like I like Parham and going back to Kobe Parkinson because when we're talking about um, e either of these slates, but especially the single-day slate, that if you uh, if we're looking at ownership projections, like there aren't really sub. 10% guys that we're going to throw in there. Um, Parham's the only one, even Parkinson uh, will probably be around like 12 ish percent. Um, if, if the projections are accurate. So when we're talking about contrarian guys, if we find these sub 20% guys to offset the 37% Herbert, the 60% uh, ETN, the 50% Zay, who actually is my preferred pass catcher on the Jaguar side. Do you have a preferred pass catcher out of, let's just call it, Kirk, Zay, and Ingram. Um, I guess we could throw Marvin in there too if you want. I think I'm ignoring Ingram for better or worse in this spot. Chargers have only allowed one touchdown to tight ends throughout the year. I know uh, our own Connor Allen is also under on his props. He played it earlier in the week and got the best number on it. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm off of Ingram. It, there really isn't a an advantage in the boundary or on the slot against the Chargers. I, I, I think I lean Zay Jones but I'm curious if you think ownership will like dictate in a significant way one of these two players. Uh, it just seems like Jones has more recency bias as having the worst game more recently. So that's why I would play him because I consider them really a toss-up. Yeah, I don't think it'll be a significant way. Right now I have Kirk projecting for 42 and a half, Zay Jones projecting for 62 and a half. But I mean... I mean, if that converges even a little bit, then um, I, I mean, we're not getting, we're still going to need somebody in our lineup like a Parham, like uh, a, a Parkinson um, that's going to help us differentiate a little bit, like even a Josh Palmer. Uh, so like 
unless Kirk was down at like projecting like 27%, then I would say it makes a big difference. But I, I think it comes more down to um, it, it will be closer on FanDuel on DraftKings. Zay Jones is all the way down at 43 compared to 59. So that'll probably actually hold on, on FanDuel. It'll probably converge a little bit more. Uh, so I, I would say on FanDuel, I'm even more likely to go Jones because their, their ownerships will be closer to each other. Um, is there anybody else in this game that's worth hitting on? We didn't touch on Eckler. I mean, obviously his ceiling is as high as CMC's. I think he is the, if we're talking about quarterback running back pairing, the chargers are the best offense to do it with. Yes. And Eckler did have a 17% target share behind Joss Palmer earlier this year and, and Mike Williams last three games being absent, you know, Eckler's target share was dipping recently with Keenan Allen back at full strength, but it's a moot point now with Williams out. So there's nothing really much to say about Eckler. You play him and chase touchdowns or uh, you don't. It's pretty that simple. Yeah. The, uh, the, the guys I'm, I really want to be heavy on early um, or, or on Saturday um, CMC Debo combos. I like a lot. Um, contrarian tight end uh parham and parkinson i like a lot the two p's um that that's i think the way i'm really going to be able to di differentiate myself and um and one of these late defenses um you know if you build around these games not uh this game not shooting out the niners are going to get so much ownership um and i think the seahawks might even get more ownership um than than the defenses in this game just because we're expecting it to shoot out so uh you know pain paying down or paying up for the chargers at 31, I think will be somewhat contrarian uh, just because uh, they were expecting this game to be high scoring. So I like balanced Saturday builds like CMC, like Debo, um, like the contrarian tight ends. Uh, what are your general thoughts on the two game slate on Saturday? Uh, pretty much what we've discussed. I think the two game is the least interesting because there aren't that many uh, yeah, because there there aren't that many sneaky options. That's why I'm going to wait on the Chargers inactive list. Uh, I'm definitely, again, even in not having faith in Justin Herbert in the three-day, in the two-game, I'm fine onslaughting that situation. I'm fine if you just want to onslaught Trevor Lawrence as well without ETN, but go his other three receivers since it is a condensed target tree between Zay, Kirk, and Ingram. Yeah, it's just really about, as DFS is, getting it right. But in this case, it really is about getting it right. I would say just make sure you get the game script correct for the 49ers above all else. If if you go overweight on um, one of the early quarterbacks, would you rather be over on Geno or Purdy? Ooh, interesting. I like Geno. I think if the I think if the weather's good and and um, they they can keep it close, I, I think Geno might have to have a good game. All right. It's an I mean it's an ugly slate. Two the two days is, tough. Yeah, man. two it's games really tough. tough. Two games really tough. I hate being um, forced into those decisions like just because we have lack of options. And even as yeah. someone who has dummies for that slate right now in, uh, it's just it's a tough one. Yeah, I, I don't think I will have that many um early quarterback lineups on Saturday, but uh if you're playing 150, um uh, obviously you're going to want to have some exposure to that. Uh so um, and and the touches may be so spread out, regardless of game script, I still may fade the 49ers offense on the big six game slate. I'm still yeah, toying around yeah. with it. If you told me to, if you asked me which one I'm overweight on, though, I think I'm overweight on Debo Samuel more so than Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I could get on board with that. It's hard to be overweight on a 67%. What do I have him at? No, oh, I have him you at have 57%. Debo at 67%. No, no, no. CMC, oh. CMC. I was saying it's going to be hard. It's, it's harder to be overweight on that. We have Debo at 
35 ish on DK and 35 to 40 on FanDuel, which is like medium ownership projection on the two games late. I didn't even expect um, it to be that high. So that, that changes my opinion a little bit. I don't know. I'm going to take yeah. it. I mean, there's only so much, there's only so much to go around. It's tough. Like, like these guys just get to 30, like getting to 30 is like 30 on a two game slate is like 12 on a, on a, on a full slate. Well, right now I think optimals are showing that Daniel Jones and cheap wide, his cheap wide receivers are practically the way to build if you're playing cash games on the six games. So I'm expecting the cheap wide receivers to kind of block some of these spots for these other guys. Yeah, and um, and getting into that Sunday slate. Um, I, I mean, uh, this is the one. We're not start. This we're not. We're day. not start. We're not. We're not starting with the Giants, but uh, we we will have. We do have a, a, a lot um, in this game. Whether it's the multi the multi day slate, um, but the Sunday slate is. Um, I think there are a lot of ways to be really uh, unique on the, even on the Sunday only slate, we open up with the early game bills favored by 13 and a half versus the dolphins over under at 43 and a half bills with the highest total um, of the weekend above 28. That's at 28 and a half. The chalk players for the Sunday only slate from this game will be Alan Diggs, Knox and bills defense. Um, dolphins aren't going to draw ownership. On, on even on Sunday only slate um, with Skylar Thompson at quarterback uh, last week. Um, they threw at the fifth lowest rate relative to expectation uh, under five yards per attempt for their offense. Uh, it, it destroys any floor for Tyreek and Waddle. Obviously both of them can get loose at any time because they're that good. Um, but the likelihood is greatly diminished. So on the three game slate, even though they are Tyreek and even though they are Waddle, they're going to be under 20%, which is really low for a three game slate. And then uh, with um, Isaiah McKenzie questionable, it, it really uh, throws a, a wrench into who the ancillary players are going to be. I, I didn't list Gabe Davis as chalk here, but he, he will be like in that DK Metcalf Debo Samuel 30th percent, 30 percentage range um, is is there between Allen Diggs, Knox and Bills defense? Is there someone that uh, you like the most um, in this early game? We have to step back and also note that the Dolphins have three starting offensive linemen listed as questionable yeah, but doubtful for this game, which is also yeah. very concerning. And honestly, if you think the Dolphins offense just tanks here and they just can't get anything going i would argue the bills offense can't get anything going either and it takes away their ceiling performance thus i lean away from them in the three-day slate that's the those are the holes i can easily poke against the bills but what i love about the three-game slate not the three-day the three-game on sunday is that i don't think isaiah mckenzie's gonna play and there are a lot of ways then to stack Josh Allen. Honestly, even if you want to onslaught the Bills for the for the six gamer, there are a lot of ways to stack Josh Allen. And you can still have Diggs and Knox, but I would also put in James Cook, who ran more routes than Devin Singletary in week 18, also outtouched Singletary five to one whenever Singletary fumbled in the third quarter. So there is an ambiguous situation all of a sudden where it's Cook, especially in a if it's a blowout could just handle 70 to 30, 65 to 35 over Singletary, which would be amazing in this slate. So both three game and three day, I actually am very high on James Cook, regardless of whether I play Josh Allen, but he is stackable with Allen. Also, I would lean Khalil Shakur if Isaiah McKenzie's out. Um, could not only get him some extra reps in the second half if you think a blowout happens, but even with Cole Beasley active a couple weeks ago, 
even with John Brown active in week 18, had that big touchdown against man coverage, Shakur ran more routes than both the past few games when he was active over them. So I still think Shakur is very sneaky, even on the even in the three-day slate as at stone minimum. So that's kind of the way I'm looking at playing Josh Allen uh, right now. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to talk about this game um, without talking about it in context of the next game that we're going to talk about because so much ownership is going to be on that second game and on Daniel Jones and his offense. Kirk Cousins will obviously get some as well, but so much ownership is going to be on that second game that um, it, it's tough not to, to say who we like without talking about how why we like it in context of that game. And I, I like what you said. Allen digs um, cheap player, whether it be Shakir, Cole Beasley, or James Cook. James Cook be my favorite. I like that build because it gives you the alpha stack of Allen and Diggs, which I think it's a really good spot for that stack. Um, and paying up for Allen while still giving you enough salary when you're paid down for Beasley, Cook, or, or Shakir. Enough salary to still stack the second game pretty heavily, but without the quarterbacks in that game. Um, I, I really like having Josh Allen in my lineups on the on the Sunday only slate. I mean, everybody likes having Josh Allen in their lineups, but I agree with you that they, if that ceiling game is canceled out by Miami, I think by sticking to those three players or or a three player Bills build that you're um, you're giving yourself a chance to corner basically all of the fantasy points from those players. If you if you only play Allen Diggs. And James Cook, there's a really good chance that if they score four touchdowns, that you get all four touchdowns from those four players. And, and that's what I'm looking to capitalize on now. Obviously, I, I definitely like the idea of onslaughting here. I think with McKenzie being out, um, it does give you some outs where you can stack Allen without digs and, and play his ancillary pass catchers, even if it's like three of them. And that gives you a really unique build. But my, uh, I, I think my most important player in this game is James Cook. He's my favorite contrarian play. I, I really like this build overall of um, being contrarian at running back. You mentioned the, the alpha wide receiver builds. Um, as we'll talk about the in the next game, Saquon and Dalvin are going to be the most popular running backs on the slate. I, I think if Miami keeps this game close and there is ceiling, I think it's more likely that Jeff Wilson breaks off one or two long ones um, than, than Thompson gets it to Tyreek and, and Waddle. I, I think that's their best bet. Um, probably might need some defensive luck, may need a turnover. Uh, so not only do I, I think that's the best way for the Dolphins to keep it close, but also I, I think it automatically, if you believe that, leads to this contrarian build. Because if you're playing Cook and Jeff Wilson together, and only playing two running backs, you're automatically going to have a contrarian build on the slate. And I think that's my favorite way to approach it. And Josh Allen now with the turnover in three consecutive games, he's been quite turnover prone this year in the second half of the back half of the season. So yeah, Dolphins defense, definitely a way to play it. Jeff Wilson, since we do have word that Raheem Mostert is officially out now. Uh, yeah. I, regardless though, as you mentioned, James Cook in a competitive game script or in a blowout, Seems like he's the player that gets run, which is why I like him so much. Yeah, we have both running backs projecting sub 20% for the Bills. Um, I, I'm a little uh, nervous about my ownership projection on um, Jeff Wilson. Like I have it moderately high, but I'm also, I am also think that there's a chance that he just people are just really scared of using this offense and it comes in a little bit lower than we have it. I have him at yeah, 
I've met 22 and a half on DK, 27 and a half on um on FanDuel. So that's actually that's actually like pretty pretty low. Um so actually I, I think I like Jeff Wilson a little bit more than I thought. Um second game, Vikings favored by three versus the Giants over under of 48. Everyone's just assuming this game is going to to shoot out big. Um, Sharp Clark on four for four does not agree with that. Uh, a lot of the the scoring came late in the first meeting. Uh, the chalk in this game, Daniel Jones is going to challenge Josh Allen as the most popular quarterback on the Sunday only slate. Saquon and Dalvin will be the two highest on backs on the Sunday only slate. Obviously, Justin Jefferson is always going to be popular on a short slate. Uh, for the Giants, Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James will be among the most wide, popular wide receivers on the slate. And then TJ Hawkinson, I, I think, will be the most popular tight end on the slate. The only question is with Tyler Huntley active, does Andrews end up getting uh, a little bit more ownership? But uh, those are the guys, Daniel Jones, Saquon Dalvin, Jefferson, Hodgins, James, Hawkinson. A lot of shock coming from this game. Do any of those stand out to you? Or, or I guess does either passing game or rushing game stand out to you? Because we have Salvin, uh, Dalvin, Saquon, um, both projecting high. Jefferson and the wide receivers on the Giants, both projecting high. So what side of each team do you like more is probably the more pertinent question than what chalk player do you like? And Hawkinson has scored three touchdowns since he joined the Vikings. Two of them came in this game against the Giants. So I People will probably box score hunt and play him. I don't think you necessarily have to because, again, I, I'm not scared of anyone if George Kittle doesn't go off. Uh, I'd much rather just pay down rather than play Hawkinson at his salary. But if everyone, as we mentioned, because of the way lineups fit, is suddenly playing this game, it's certainly a situation where I want to be underweight. Uh, I don't mind Richie James. I, I play his prop as well in our Discord. Since the Vikings, their last five games, have run the sixth highest rate of man coverage, a, a complete 180 from how they play defense to that point because they've just been trying new things because their secondary has been so bad. And even though that did help them get better on the boundary, the slot where Richie James plays, they've still been very poor. Uh, second most receiving touchdowns allowed to that position in that span, not to mention second most receiving yards per game on the season to slot receivers. So Richie James in a very, very good position here if you need a spin down wide receiver. But again, that's what that's the position a lot of people are using. So I almost want to try and avoid him in the – Six game if I can if I can finagle some other players around that situation and then yeah Dalvin Cook may get popular I, I'm willing to just let Dalvin Cook beat me if he does though I think he's a pretty easy fade uh, 3.4 yards per carry his last seven games including 3.3 yards per carry in Week 18 against the Bears even Alexander Madison came off the bench and averaged over five yards per carry on 10 runs against Chicago everyone does well against Chicago except Dalvin Cook so just a situation where I can. I feel like I can easily avoid him and then just look to Justin Jefferson instead. So I would much rather the way everyone else is playing this game and strictly because of that, knowing the ranges of outcomes, as you mentioned, 13 to 10 heading into the fourth quarter last time they played. Uh, I would much rather just skinny stack or go underweight, play Justin Jefferson and then leave this one alone. Yeah. Again, going back to what, what I think is the uh, easiest way to begin trade on the Sunday slate is going cheap running backs from the early game uh getting Diggs and jefferson in the same lineup especially if it's with josh allen because it's just uh, on dk it's 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 hard to get all three of those players in there a little bit easier on fandle but i still think it'll be a contrarian build on fandle where uh running backs typically um dominate the cumulative ownership for for the point on dalvin i mean the buffalo backs and the baltimore backs aren't going to draw ownership um 
Jeff Wilson as a huge underdog will probably get moderate ownership. So because of that, like Dalvin just automatically is projects above 40% ownership. Uh, that's just the way these three games slate shake out. But I agree with you that if I'm going to play the chalk running back from this game, it's Saquon over Dalvin. Uh, Jefferson is my, my favorite player from this game, even though he is the payup player from the Hodges and James standpoint. Um, if I'm going contrarian early, um, with that, with that, uh, Josh Allen, too expensive wide receiver build. My running back build is contrarian enough where I think it actually makes sense to play Hodgers and James together to save the salary and to get up to Jefferson and Diggs together. If I'm not going with that build, I think it makes way more sense to flag plant on these guys uh, because they are going to be popular paydown options. And for the reasons you stated, I wrote up in my Sunday article that I do prefer Richie James over Isaiah Hodgins. Um, it's not a slam dunk, but, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, gun to my head, I'm taking James. I also think you should get some Giants defense in your life. No one on the injury report, Aziz Alajari at full health, Dory Jackson at full health, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau had a stellar final month of the season. It finally all clicked for him. I think the Giants can bring some heat here and force Cousins into turnovers. I'm even open to playing Jefferson with the Giants defense in a short slate. So that's the way I'm sort of looking at playing it right now. Giants at 3K on DK, which is really high for uh, what we would expect to be the shootout game. We would expect them to be the cheapest defense, maybe behind close to the Dolphins, but they're priced um, uh, pretty close to the Bills. So that's a really contrarian build on FanDuel at 3,700. Um, but I think if, again, on Sunday only slate, if you're going with a very balanced build where you're not, where you're not, on slotting this game and you're only playing say a couple bills players and you have players scattered out from all three of the games i think giants make most sense as the defense they're going to be sub 15 percent, which is super low when you only have six teams to choose from um i i think uh saquon giants defense correlation makes a ton of sense if you're going to go that route i'm much more likely to play Daniel Jones in this spot, even though he's going to be more popular than I am Kirk Cousins. Would you agree with that as well? Definitely, yes. And okay. I also say the Giants yeah. defense because we obviously look for sacks um, to at least get the floor there. And again, the, the Vikings know they can't run the ball. That's why Cousins was averaging 48 attempts in three games prior to getting benched against the Packers in the third quarter because it got blown out. But to that point, he also had 31 attempts. Against Chicago, he had 20 attempts in the first half. This is a potential 50-attempt game for Cousins. And so you're going to have, in my opinion, all the volume for the Giants defense to get there. Um, if we're onslaughting either of these teams, the ancillary options would be... Thielen's surprisingly not projecting for that much ownership. Thielen, KJ Osborne, Daniel Bellinger, Darius Slayton on DK specifically because he is a little bit better value on Fandle, and I think he'll be closer to James and Hodgins. So out of those contrarian pass catchers, if you're onslaughting either side, does one stand out? Osborne, at least we've seen spike weeks. There's no rhyme or reason to when they come, but at least in the last two weeks even, uh, 13 targets and at least six targets and three of his last four games. So he is getting a little more volume than expected recently. So I'm open to Osborne, not in the sixth game, but in the oh, Sunday only for sure. Yeah, absolutely. On the Sunday only. Um, if Thielen at 4,500 on DK, I haven't met 22.5% on DK. If he comes in sub 20%, like we know he can score two touchdowns pretty easily. Like if I do have... 
Kirk Cousins lineups, like Thielen at 20% on short slate is a pretty damn good play. Um, so yeah, I, I think I, I like KJ Osborne if Thielen comes in higher. If you think Thielen's going to come in closer to 30% than I have him, then I like it, Osborne. If you think he's going to come in lower than the 22.5% I have, Matt, then uh, then I think Thielen's a really good play. I, no one usually plays Thielen. It's like Mike Evans. For better or worse, Like no one plays him, which gives us an advantage at times. So I do wonder if anyone will play him. Um. On to the Bengals-Ravens. Last game of, of the weekend. We're not including Monday here because that is off of the uh, it's off the, the two-game slate and off of the obviously off the Saturday and Sunday only slate. So we'll end with Bengals at Ravens or versus Ravens. Ravens at Bengals. Bengals eight and a half point favorites. The total is only 40.5 points. The only chalk I have in this game, Joe Mixigan. Again, we talked about the running back slate, how the other teams, the Bills, Dolphins, Ravens, um, aren't going to draw much running back ownership, at least for a three-game slate. So Mixon will naturally be up above 40%. I have Mark Andrews' question mark because I just don't know how people are going to react to this passing game situation for the uh, Ravens and then both defenses in this game. Um in the betting show with Connor Allen and and Ryan Noonan, you talked about how you actually think, even though the spread is eight and a half, like I think there's a really and you you said there's a really likely outcome where the Ravens defense keeps this game like a a seventeen to ten type game, even if they lose. Um, I, I don't know if there's much offense to go on, even though people like playing the Bengals. And I'm in the minority in this spot, so take everything I say with a grain of salt. But I think I it's think a really good spot. We have to we have to be like against the grain on a a game narrative somewhere, right? And this one makes the most sense. I can easily poke holes in the Bingo's offense. Um, I yeah. think the Ravens compete in this game. Not only do I think we get Tyler Huntley, which gives us a little more juice than Anthony Brown for better or worse in the passing game, but. You had J.K. Dobbins rest. You had basically all the Ravens offensive starters get an unprecedented 14 days off because they just benched them in week 18 in a game that didn't matter. And then now we've seen not only Lyle Collins lost in the first quarter against the Patriots in week 16, but Alex Kappa, an all-pro player on the interior for the Bengals, lost for the entire postseason in week 18. And in Joe Burrow's last seven quarters, he's completed 66% of his passes for just 5.4 yards per attempt two touchdowns, two picks in that span. That reason they're missing offensive linemen is why Joe, Joe Mixon has been hammered with 14 targets because they're not going downfield because they can't bite enough time to get downfield. Defenses also are continuing to play two high safeties against them. And so if that's the case, and we don't think, and I, I don't think the Bengals offense has a ceiling in this game, then I do lean towards the Ravens defense uh, on both slates, Sunday and six game, I lean towards J.K. Dobbins getting 14 days of rest, uh, who's averaged 6.9 yards per carry since he returned from injury. It looks like Gus Edwards was cleared from concussion protocol and is still going to play. But if we think it's close, it's going to be a run-heavy game script as they showed uh, the last time these two teams played. So, yeah, I, I like Dobbins-Ravens defense correlation a whole lot. I, I like that a lot, too. That's my favorite play in this game. Um Ravens will be somewhat the Ravens defense will be somewhat popular because they're so cheap 2,500 on DK 3,600 on FanDuel and even though they are big underdogs with the total at just um, 40.5 I, I do think that users will click on them but the combo of of Ravens and and JK Dobbins makes a lot of sense to me but I also just like Ravens defense by themselves um, 
do you with say we get news before the Dolphins game kicks off that we're definitely getting Huntley? Do you think people are going to click Andrews a fair amount? Um, do you think he'll be the most popular tight end on the slate if Huntley plays? The news comes because Andrews yeah. is only a hundred more than Hawkinson on DraftKings, and the the Ravens obviously play the next game. So if it comes like with the inactives list, then that'll be halftime of Giants and we'll be okay. Otherwise, if we get it like Sunday morning, it may be a situation where people are pivoting around and may get onto Andrews more. But right now, not expecting Andrews to be played since you know the even the six gamer we got Kittle and Hawkinson. Uh, but yeah, Andrews I think is an incredible play. I, I like this game overall since, again, the, the reasons we're giving are completely different than the game script everyone else is suggesting where the Bengals are just going to suddenly blow up on offense and run over the Ravens. I don't think that's the case at all. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, if you're playing 150 lineups, a, a, a Bengals onslaught um, can make sure. sense, or, or may, maybe not an onslaught, but like a, um, a Burrow double, I, I think, makes sense. Like, it's going to be it's not going to be as popular as giants doubles as Josh Allen doubles, maybe not even as Kirk cousins doubles. Um, so it, you will get like some ownership relief. If you're playing, say you're playing Saquon and Dalvin together, and then maybe like a, I don't know, a, a Hodgins as well. Um, a, a Cincinnati stack will be somewhat contrarian to, to offset that. Like if you include a Hayden Hurst in it, um, but it's not going to be my my favorite build. My favorite build is going really light on this game for the reasons you said. Do you? Do you, I'm, I don't even want to ask the question. Do you think Ravens have an upset in them? A straight up upset? I don't have the courage to call my shot. But if you told me, I think I even mentioned this on the Move the Line podcast with Connor and Noonan that if you told me which team like upsets someone this week. I think the I think the Ravens do. Uh, I mean, dude, it's John Harbaugh in the playoffs versus Zach Taylor. Like it, that that edge goes to the Ravens, whose defense has been incredible since they acquired Roquan Smith. So, yeah, I, I think it's a lower scoring affair, and it's not as much of a blowout as everyone perceives. Yeah, it's uh, but I mean, it, that's more of like reason to play the Ravens, right? Like a, a DST a DST touchdown is what swings this this game in this slate. Yeah, Ravens are a good play. They're a great play. Yeah. Um, my, my favorite way to approach Sunday only, as I said, I, I think I really like contrarian pay down running back, early running back. Um, Jeff Wilson does like just enough to, to push it to, um, to where the, the bills at least have to keep playing um, hard. Uh, I love getting Josh Allen Diggs and, and Justin Jefferson in the same lineup. I, I think a lot of people are going to look at, Mixon, Saquon, and Dalvin compared to the the running back field on Sunday only, and really shy away from those Diggs, Allen, Jefferson builds. Um, it's my favorite way to approach it. Do, is there a an overall theme um, or or one or two players on Sunday that you really want to uh, stand up for? Dobbins and the six gamer, I still like a lot. You'd mentioned Ravens defense uh, and Bills ancillary pieces, the James Cooks. The Khalil Shakurs of the world, uh, definitely on board with those. Dawson Knox, even without Josh Allen, being a, a two-touchdown ceiling player. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the way I lean. Yeah, I mean, if you if if you believe in the narrative that, like, in the high-stress situations that uh, people are going to default to their comfort zone, like, 
Cole Beasley might be breaking our hearts this week. <laughs> Cole, yeah. Cole, Be- Cole Beasley, three catches for 11 yards and two touchdowns. Like that just feels like a thing. But even he was inactive last week. And then last time he played again, Shakur still ran more routes from the slot. So I just wonder how much they would play Cole Beasley. But trust me, uh, I have thought about the Cole Beasley situation a lot. Too much jo- to be held. Josh Allen in that game, Josh Allen overthrew Beasley on a on a play inside the five that would have been a touchdown. <laughs> um uh that does it for the wild card week. If you guys no, are Monday. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll 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 save that for the um the, the single game write up, but uh but we won't uh we, we won't cover it here for the uh since we got We're not covered it for the six game slate for unless you want to unless you got some thoughts on it we have to this is the best all game right. yeah all right all right let's get into it i mean my, my DraftKings lineups literally have four or five slots for this game yeah. because i was just gonna stop because our main slates are saturday and sunday but we could touch on monday for sure no the the six game is featured on DraftKings. Yeah. um uh now i believe saturday and sunday has does the six game not have a millie maker is that what it is the six game the the biggest prize pool is is 400k there's only two it's the only uh prize pool above 400k um with a buy-in under 555 dollars. well i'm in the wildcat and yeah. everything on that six gamer yeah. so i refuse okay. to let you skip okay. this game yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. i Let's need go. to sell i need to sell this game as the one i'm sitting on and overweight compared to the Giants Vikings, especially relative to the field. Uh, this is the main event here. And I, I can't wait because I don't think many people will take a lot of their players down to Monday night. And it's such a good situation. Uh, first off, we don't believe in the Bucks defense at all. Like they were run out of the building against the 49ers, allowing 35 points. They allowed Mahomes to score 47, 41 points. Lamar got 27 on them. Burrow got 34 on them. And so against competent offenses, the Bucs have benefited from poor schedule, but against competent offenses, they their defense just hasn't been good. And they are getting healthier, yes, but we also still believe in this Dallas offense that laid, you know, that three and out on 12 or 15 possessions, just that egg against Washington in week 18. But beyond that, sixth in EPA per play, top five in EPA per drop back since Prescott returned in week seven, have been averaging 35 points per game in that span. And then you look on the other side of the ball for the Bucs and – you also do not believe in the Cowboys' defense because since week 10, and it's all due to injuries in their secondary, but since week 10, the sixth highest rate of passing touchdowns allowed, eighth in yards per attempt, a league high in completion rate on throws 20 yards downfield, and Brady doesn't go downfield. Even in this game with Michael Parsons healthy, I would expect him to get rid of the ball quickly, but I'm also not expecting it to be the same thing we saw in week one where Brady threw his season low 27 passes. Leonard Fournette went over 80 yards for the only time this year. He had a 127 with six yards per carry. I think we get a lot of shots through the air from both sides of the ball. And if that's the case, you can play Tony Pollard with, or you can play Dak Prescott with Pollard, CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz or two of the three, I think is the best option here. You can go back to Brady playing him with Chris Godwin or Mike Evans. The Cowboys have allowed a league high 13 receiving touchdowns to boundary receivers where Evans is going to be. So I think Evans is an amazing play. Kate Otten, if you don't, if you're paying down at tight end, Otten is an incredible play. He's run around on 82% of Brady's dropbacks the last three games, including being on the field with Brady in week 18 before they both got benched because they've just removed Cam Brake from the picture entirely. And prior to week 18, the last two games, 
Otten totaled 13 targets. So I think he's also an awesome play, even if you don't have Brady, just to run him back as a cheap tight end. So I'm trying to get my exposure, honestly, five spots in this game because this is the main event. Yeah, yeah I, I think that six games is is kind of my cutoff where I play it closer to like a, a main slate or a full slate. And I think, like you said, like four or five players from this game, um, a double stack with a bring back, or, or something like that is like kind of how I, I think you could approach it. And you get the Monday night hammer uh, where you get all the late swap options that you want um, all the information plus late swap. So that's really important. I CD lamb is super intriguing at 7,700 on DK. He's 100 more than digs. Um, so he, he will be way less popular. He's 700 more than Keenan Allen, but only two wide receiver spots above Keenan Allen. Who's also going to be crazy chalky. Um, and then only 700 less than Justin Jefferson. So CD, I don't have a six game ownership projection, but if we're thinking about it closer to a main slate, I would assume CD lamb is like maxing out at 10% ownership on the That's six games. He's, he's art. Yeah. He's honestly one of the best players on the book. I mean, the, the bucks have allowed a league high in receiving touchdowns to the slot. There's nowhere else to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so doubles there make sense. Um, and then from a, we, we already talked about contrarian running back. So if you're using Tony Pollard on, on a slate where people are going to be using the, the running backs that we discussed earlier, um, he can't draw much ownership. Prescott at 6k, Tom Brady at 5,800. Brady will lose a lot of ownership to Trevor Lawrence at 5,700. That's uh, how Pollard's going to lose at 5,600. Yeah, exactly. Pollard's going to lose um, to ETN a lot. Yeah. Um, so I, like I, I, I do like, if you're playing the, the six game or again, the prize pools are a little bit smaller except for the, like the wildcat um, and stuff like that, but there's still five, six, six contests with prize pools of a hundred K. So, I mean, definitely play the multi-game slate. Um, we have content for all of the single game slates up Saturday's already up Sunday and Monday will be up tomorrow. So if you're looking to play a uh, showdown or MVP contest, we have content for those up as well. Uh, as we mentioned last week, not doing the official discord show just because slates are kind of all over the place, but uh, Daigle and I, as well as the other DFS guys will be in discord leading up to kickoff of the main slates. If you haven't signed up for that uh, down to 14 bucks. Um, if you uh, are watching this on YouTube, please give the video a like, please subscribe to the channel. If you're listening on uh, your favorite podcast platform, give us a five-star rating review goes a very long way. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, Daigle is at not Jay Daigle. I'm at TJ Hernandez. Four for four is at four for four football. Good luck this week. Talk to you in the divisional round.